Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. Okay, welcome back. Hope you're having a good day. It is Friday. Remember back in the day, it used to be TGIF. Were you ever in that camp? I was definitely in that camp for a while. I'm not anymore. I mean, I appreciate the weekend. And uh, I appreciate uh, having a few days away from teaching and away from radio, uh, believe it or not. But I don't think, oh. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. It's not like that anymore. Uh, thank you, Lord. But uh, by the time I get to Friday after teaching eight in-person classes and going down all the roads we go down and then doing radio uh, five days a week, <clears throat> and you know this if you've been a part of the show for a while, I'm, I usually mention that I get a pretty snarky by Friday. So snarky Friday uh, back in action. So I got a bunch of different things I want to go through here and uh, take him down some different roads and in. I'm looking at a lot of stuff all the time, and so I just basically bring things on the air if I'm going to do like a breaking news, what's going on in the world kind of show like I am today. It's things that uh, interest me and generally show kind of the trend of where we're at as a country and where we continue to go, which is not great. And also to kind of prime all of us, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, for our need to be in prayer over this nation and our leaders and these issues and then individuals when you hear about people in certain stories, whether they're tragic or what have you, then to be people of prayer, pray without ceasing, we were commanded to do. And that doesn't mean that you are, okay, I got to figure out a way to quit my job and not talk to anybody and just sit in my prayer closet and pray all day. That, that essentially means just have a lifestyle of prayer. You should be in and out of little prayers here and there. Uh, thank you, Lord, for that. Oh, you know, Lord, you hear a story. Hey, Alec Baldwin. So they're going to charge him. They're charging him with manslaughter, okay? That's very serious or whatever it is, reckless endangerment. I can't remember, but it's a serious crime. And I'm like, all right, Lord, I, I know his, his brother is saved, but odds are pretty good that he isn't. So I pray that throughout this nightmare process he's going through that uh, people get saved, including himself. And that's it. Just like little things like that throughout the day as you encounter the stories that we see out there. And uh, that's just a lifestyle prayer and be thankful for things, the good things that happen and cry out when there's bad things that happen and just ask the Lord, just have that ongoing conversation. So hopefully this, uh, some of these stories will spark you in that direction. And that's us. That's, that's our job. Nobody else is going to do that. That's just us, us followers of Jesus Christ, the way. And so perhaps some of these things will help all of us do that. And so I'm always trying to keep us informed, keep myself informed, keep you informed, and keep us inspired, not hopeless. I mean, we have the ultimate hope. And I know sometimes looking at the news and the direction of the country kind of seems hopeless. And some of these stories today will point you in that direction. But we know that's ultimately not true. And so praise the Lord for that. So this um, here's a couple of sports stories. I usually don't cover sports, but this is kind of interesting. Here's the first one. So Tony Dungy, the famous Hall of Fame football coach, earlier this week announced he was going to Washington, D.C. today to take part in that horrifically evil, backwards, women's rights trampling March for Life. Okay, so that was today. A huge crowd. The very first time they've had a March for Life post Roe versus Wade. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for that. 
The two-time Super Bowl champion said he will attend. He was going to come this today, this Friday, to support those unborn babies who don't have a voice. <laughs> you can't, you can't talk like that in the woke sports world. It will be the first time, his first time at the rally, and it sparked criticism in the media. Dave Zirin, sports editor for the Nation, said he is done with Tony Dungy and the way the NFL and the NBC coddle his right wing extremism. Because he's going to the, he went to the March for Life today, so that makes him an extremist. Zirin says Dungy is someone venerated throughout the NFL world as a man of character, but he's spent years as an anti-gay bigot. This is a staggering indictment. Same guy. Of the politics the NF, of the NFL and the network's partners allow and the kind that they condemn. When someone like, gee, I don't know, Colin Kaepernick stands up and kneels down to end police violence and racial in, in, inequity, he becomes a pariah. Meanwhile, Dungy is held up as a deeply religious man and nearly a patron saint of the league. Dungy has used his devoutedness as a cover for his anti-gay rhetoric and sharing platforms with unapologetic bigots. If Dungy wants a show on the Daily Wire, more power to him, Zirin wrote. But his being center stage on the most watched program in the country makes NBC and the NFL complicit in his disinformation and political posturing. It's like, like maybe Tony needs to move to America where you have you know freedom of conscience and freedom of expression and religious expression. Maybe he needs to move there. Then there's this one. Sports media mocks Flyers' Ivan Provorov. His faith for refusing to participate in gay pride festivities. The liberal sports media is coming down hard. This is why, I mean, ESPN, all that stuff. Can you watch anything anymore and not get all this stuff shoved down your throat? But remember, there's a little moral to this story. Woke, go broke. Remember? Just keep that in mind. The liberal sports media is coming down hard on Philadelphia Flyers defensiveman Ivan Provorov for skipping festivities celebrating LGBTQ pride. On Tuesday, Provorov decided to opt out of the pregame warm-ups when the team wore pride-themed jerseys and used sticks wrapped in rainbow pride tape, saying it goes against his religion, which he has a First Amendment right to say. I respect everyone, he said. I respect everyone's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. Isn't that what the gay pride people are doing? Staying true to themselves? It's okay for them, but not for him. But that didn't sit well with many sports media personalities, some calling for his punishment, as well as the Flyers, the team he plays for. Canadian sports pundit Sid Sexero called on the NHL to fine the Flyers a million dollars over Provorov's insulting comments. Quote, the theme from the National Hockey League is that hockey is for everyone, okay? The theme isn't hockey is for everyone, dot, dot, dot. Unless you don't believe in gay rights, then do whatever you want. (laughs) The National Hockey League needs to attack this and figure this out because what I heard last night was offensive and didn't make any sense, he went on to say. Nothing scares me more than any human being who says I'm not doing this because of my religious beliefs. Wow. NHL Network senior reporter Ed Raddick suggested the Russian-born Flyer player should go back to his homeland and join the fight against Ukraine if participating in Pride events is that problematic for him. It's charming. I love all these to- all the tolerance of these tolerant people, the tolerance crowd. ESPN senior NHL Greg uh, Greg Weishnicki called out Provorov for previously participating in the Flyers military appreciation event. Of course, Ivan is more than happy to play pregame dress up when it does align with his belief system <laughs> because he wore a camouflage theme jersey. He, was, he agreed to that. The Sports Network commentator and the Atlanta contributor Pierre Lebrun disputed Provorov's claim that he respects everyone. He obviously does not respect everyone. If he did respect everyone, he would have taken part in the gay pride event. 
We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's tough to be an NFL player these days. Well, at least if you're a Christian. So that's Ivan Provorov, apparently, because he didn't want to take part in the pregame gay pride event. He didn't want to wear the gay pride uh, jersey. He didn't want to use the gay pride hockey stick that was wrapped in the gay pride tape. So he said, no, thank you. And he sat out and he's getting blasted from all these different people in the woke media. Most of the media is woke. The the vast majority, overwhelming majority of sports media is woke. Like ESPN's just CNN Sports or or <laughs> just Progressive Sports Network. I mean, it's ridiculous. So I'm just reading a few of these, but this does turn. This is a little funny little turnaround here. Just remember, go woke, go broke. Uh, LeBron's TSN colleague Gord Miller appeared to agree with his sentiment, tweeting, Ivan Provorov had the right to refuse to participate in the Pride Night activities in Philadelphia. One. Number two, the Flyers should have responded by not allowing them to play in the game. Number three, freedom of expression doesn't give you freedom from the consequences of your words or actions. Right. You Christians just need to shut up. The hockey news writer Adam Pro. Pro 2 joined in the pile on tweeting Ivan Provorov has the right to any opinion he chooses and we have the right to have any opinion on Ivan Provorov that we choose like this he's a shameful human being whose homophobia is only going to get more shameful over the years right you don't want to don't go against that bail you you don't bow down at this bail's knees at this bail's you don't bow the knee at this bail's statue LGBTQIA, then, then the world's going to come after you. Sports writer Rachel Melanta offered a similar sentiment, writing, being LGBT plus is not a choice. Being ignorant, obnoxious, and homophobic is. Steph Driver, NHL editor, editorial manager for SB Nation, decried, I was hoping what I heard about Provorov wasn't true, but it has been confirmed. In the year 2023, Provorov couldn't have a rainbow logo touch his skin for a few minutes. Disgusting. The Athletic senior writer Mark Lazarus added the Flyers should have scratched Provorov inside of their basic human decency. Right. So if you don't if if you if you don't wear the pride flag and use the pride stick, you're just the scum of the earth. Hitler 2.0 to a certain extent. But here's the turn. Go woke, go broke. I love the title of this article this was in fox ivan provorov jersey selling out online after media condemned him for not wearing pride themed jersey americans have rallied around philadelphia flyers defensive men ivan provorov after he personally abstained from pride festivities before a hockey game talk about a sacred cow multiple news outlets including the post-millennial outkick and washington examiner have since reported that the philadelphia flyers provorov jerseys have been selling out multiple stores online as of the writing of this article, the only Provorov jerseys that remain in the official NHL shop and their partner Fanatics are for women. <laughs> X Strategies LLC senior digital strategist Greg Price tweeted, Ivan Provorov's jersey is now completely sold out on NHL shop and Fanatics with the exception of extra small sizes. <laughs> Good job, America. You still got something. You still got something going on. Good job. But the one thing all these people aren't going to talk about, all these pro-LGBTQ people are not going to talk about. Nowhere. nowhere. Nobody's talking about this. I, I, I can't even tell you a whole lot of this article. You can go look it up yourself. It's at townhall.com. Uh, we investigated a suburban LGBTQ pedophile ring. Here's what we found. Now, this is, this is, this is so radically disturbing and disgusting and satanic. 
and and here's my point. Uh, nobody, none of the LG, pro LGBTQIA plus plus crowd, they just don't want to talk about when these stories come out. And the darker the story, the more it gets hit. And the mainstream media doesn't want to talk about it either. Now, let me, just in case you're wondering, in case you have a different worldview than I do, if you're thinking, hey, Steve, are you about to say that all homosexuals are pedophiles? No, I'm not saying that. Nor am I going to say, nor can you say, that no homosexuals are pedophiles. And that pedophilia isn't a problem to a certain degree inside the LGBTQIA arena. Because all kinds of sexual deviancy is a problem in there. And this one just is beyond, almost beyond belief. I have to be very careful what I share with you here, okay? Just out of respect to you and out of respect to the stations that carry me. A months-long town hall investigation reveals disturbing new details about the affluent LGBTQ activist couple accused of sodomizing their young adopted sons, now ages 9 and 11. You heard me right. This is all, this is all verifiable, okay? And distributing homemade child pornography of the sexual abuse. Half a year after the shocking story made national news, I, I never heard this, did you? Town Hall is the only outlet following up on the criminal case in Georgia that has since seen zero headlines written about it. We found that it's far, far worse than what we first reported. Not only did the quote-unquote married men allegedly rape the two boys who were adopted through a Christian special needs adoption agency, they were pimping out their children to nearby pedophiles in the Atlanta area suburbs. Recorded jailhouse calls, a trove of never-before-seen court documents, and testimony from a family member who spoke exclusively with Town Hall undercover uh, the extent of the physical and emotional trauma the two elementary school-age brothers endured, as well as the red flags that the state overlooked during the same-sex couple's faster-than-expected adoption process. As Town Hall reported in August, the suspects were darlings at LGBTQ media. They were part of an anti-gay hate campaign promoting hashtag no hate and out magazine, which holds the nation's highest circulation amongst the LGBTQ monthly publications. They've repeatedly asked them if the website's pride page can feature their photos taken at the Atlanta pride parade. And these charges, I mean, this is, this is, I don't have a word for this. The adoptive fathers, 33-year-old government worker William Dale Zulock Jr. and 35-year-old banker Zachary Zach Jack Jacoby Zulock, who had previously ac- accused of raping a child from Oxford, Georgia, have been indicted by a grand jury on charges of incest, aggravated sodomy, aggravated child molestation, felony sexual exploitation of children, and felony prostitution of a minor. You won't even hear, Sean Hannity wouldn't touch this with a 10-foot pole, I don't think. William and Zachary are each facing over nine life sentences, as they should. They've pleaded, of course, not guilty. According to a copy of the 17-count indictment Town Hall has obtained, the adoptive dads (laughs) allegedly performed on both boys, forced the children to perform on them, and blank raped their sons, the type of sex that gay men have, all right? In at least one instance, the rape injured the older Zulok child who just turned 11. Court records indicate that the child's sexual abuse stretches back to as early as 2019 and intensified in January 2021, March 2021, and December 2021. William admitted to forcing his 11-year-old adopted son to perform an updated criminal affidavit says the child's sexual abuse was filmed by William's husband, Zachary with whom he routinely engaged in sexual abusive acts on the boy. 
Zachary, the household's breadwinner, they lived in this big, huge house that they built down there, confessed to being the cameraman, and authorities allegedly found a folder on his cell phone labeled Us that contained videos of William sexually abusing the child. Now, this is a six-page article, by the way. This is what you're listening to me fly through. I know. This, I'm not even going to give you any more than that. I'm just going to tell you. This is a much bigger problem inside the LGBTQ community than anybody would want to talk about or think. It's not nothing. Like I said, it's not all of them. Well, my fear is that it's way more than anybody thinks. And the mainstream media, they're not going to touch this. A lot of a lot of conservative media won't touch it. It's real. It's heartbreaking. It's disgusting. Judgment will come sooner or later. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show. I just put a link up on Facebook Live. So I, you know, there's only so much I could share from this story. We investigated a suburban LGBTQ pedophile ring. Here's what we found. These two gay guys that got, quote unquote got married and then they adopted these two boys from a quote unquote Christian special needs adoption agency. And they've been uh, sodomizing these boys and abusing these boys sexually ever since they got them for the last couple of years. This was a story that came out. I didn't hear it last year in August. I never heard this. And I'm listening to stuff all the time. I never heard this. I wonder why. Because you can't touch this one. No, the prophets of Baal. You can't touch that. Can't touch this. Uh-uh. Not going there. I just did. And I will. And I don't. Del- do you think I delight in this stuff? Or do you think I hate homosexuals? I do not. Now, <laughs> I struggle with these two. I mean, to me, in my flesh... And in, in, in some amount of sanctified anger, I'm like, just release them into the general population at the prison system down there in Georgia. And you know what's going to happen because there is such a thing as jailhouse justice. And that the bottom of the pile on that are, are child pornography, child sexual molesters. The, the, they get dealt with in the prison system, which is why these guys who are up for like nine life sentences apiece, uh, which is not enough. uh and and this is pages and pages of this story. I mean, and again, I am not saying that every uh, member of the LGBTQ community is a pedophile. I will assert that some of them are, and definitely more than anybody would like to think or know. Because in a... In essence, it's all coming out of the same sinful pool, the same sexual, twisted, sinful pool that is the LGBTQ community. While at the same time, I'm, I, you know, there's Jesus hanging on a cross, and he's looking at me, straight white male, and he's looking at the LGBTQ community over there, and he's like, I'm dying for all you guys. It's not like he died more for them or more for me. He didn't. And so I have to remember that when I engage stories like this. And I'm like, you know, you can imagine what I'm thinking. You're probably thinking the same thing, just horrific things, terrible things. Uh, you could make a case that they're justified things. And there's a special place in hell for people like this, yada, yada, yada. And, and I've, I know a lot of uh, – I've met a lot of gay people over the years and some transgender people. And I, I'm not for a second going to assume that they're all pedophiles. But I also know some of – you can't say that none of them are. 
And definitely some of them are, and some of them get caught. And this story got totally stuffed. Nobody's talking about it. God bless you, townhall.com, part of Salem Radio Network. God bless you for having the guts to do it. Nobody else is going to. Just to remind you that there is something deeply broken and satanic in that community, which is true in every community, right? You got straight abortionists killing babies right and left. We'll get to that story. But mercy triumphs over judgment. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, I don't like that. But do you really want perfect justice? Because my life's not going to stand up to perfect justice. I don't know about yours. Maybe yours will, but mine won't. Enter Jesus. (laughs) Lord, help us. Senator Kennedy sends a message to SCOTUS. Did you hear that? So they did this whole investigation, and they can't find who leaked Alito's uh, decision, the, the lead decision, the write-up on the decision overturning Roe versus Wade. They can't find the leaker? I, if you believe that, I've got some land in Florida I want to sell you. So Senator Kennedy, the Republican from Louisiana, on uh, Faulkner Focus, this is pretty funny. Uh, Here's my message to the leaker. He's talking about the Supreme Court leaker. I think it was probably Sotomayor herself. That's my guess. Here's my message to the leaker. Congratulations, butthead. You almost got a member of the United States Supreme Court killed and his family. What a narcissist. You obviously think your personal politics are more important than that. The sanctity of the United States Supreme Court. I don't mean any disrespect to the chief justice. I was disappointed in his report. I don't have a lot of respect for the guy, by the way. I think this is the chief justice's way of saying, we're not going to find out who the leaker is. And if we do now, we're not going to tell you. We will move on. I think that's a mistake, Senator Kennedy said. No kidding. We can find and whack terrorists around the world with a drone piloted by some dude sitting in a closed room in Florida, but we can't find the leaker at the United States Supreme Court? Are you kidding me? With all the technology we have today, the digital technology, they're, they're, they're protecting somebody, and you know who I think they're protecting? Sotomayor. I think she's like, I have a moral obligation to get this out there to try to stop it. One of the most egregious uh, moral, immoral decisions in American jurisprudence History. That's my guess. And there's no way Justice Roberts would let that happen. He's not going to let that out. I don't think. It's disgusting. This is funny. Here on Snarky Friday, CNN analysts slammed after writing COVID deaths are being overcounted. Wow. CNN medical analyst and Washington Post columnist Dr. Liana Wen admitted in a column Friday, last Friday, that the medical community is overcounting the amount of COVID deaths and hospitalizations. She cited sources claiming that most patients diagnosed with COVID are actually in the hospital for some other illness. Remember, this is the whole difference of people dying with COVID versus people dying from COVID. The article is titled straight out, we are over overcounting COVID deaths and hospitalizations. That's a problem. No kidding. Wen began her column with some apparent skepticism about the CDC's latest COVID-19 death stats. Quote, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the United States is experiencing around 400 COVID deaths every day. At that rate, there would be nearly 150,000 deaths a year. But are these Americans dying from COVID or with COVID? Hmm. The doctor claimed that understanding this distinction is crucial to putting the continuing toll of the coronavirus into perspective, you think? Determining how likely it is an an infection will result in hospitalization or death helps people weigh their own risk. 
She spoke to two infectious disease experts who told her they believe the number of deaths attributed to COVID is far greater than the actual number of people dying from COVID. In her article, by the way, she said it could be that the COVID deaths are actually 30% of the numbers reported. So if it's only 30% of the total numbers reported for COVID died from COVID, then that shows you even more. This was never about health. This was never about the good of the, the public. This was always about power and control, as it always is for abusive entities. The deep state, the progressives, big pharma. And then, by the way, uh, you got to lay a significant amount of this problem at the foot of one Donald J. Trump, who I think totally mismanaged it. Big tough guy gets rolled by people like Burks and Fauci. Mentioning the first, she wrote Robin Drettler, an attending physician at Emory Decatur Hospital and the former president of Georgia's chapter of Infectious Diseases Society of America, estimates that at his hospital, 90% of patients diagnosed with COVID are actually in the hospital for some other illness. <laughs> Imagine that. When also cited infectious disease physician Shira Doran, who figured out that in recent months, only about 30% of total hospitalizations with COVID were primarily attributed to the virus. Towards the end of her piece, she declared, to be clear, if the COVID death count turns out to be 30% of what's currently reported, that's still unacceptably high. Yeah, but you don't turn the whole world upside down and shut the economy down and create all kinds of mental, physical, emotional nightmares for children and everybody else as a result of that. Epidemiologist Dr. Tracy Hogue responded to Wynn's piece stating, Spring 2021, USA had good evidence that it was uh, less than 40% of child COVID admissions were incidental. 2021, Denmark announced they distinguished uh, with versus from COVID hospital deaths uh, and, and were 60 to 70% incidental. That's a huge number. The doctor added, amazing how long it's taken the U.S. to accept this as a problem. Center for Security Policy senior analyst J. Michael Waller slammed the Washington Post over the column, stating, not long ago, the Washington Post was calling us conspiracy theorists for saying such things. No kidding. Author AJK tweeted, well, yeah, you'd think seeing this in legacy media would offer a feeling of vindication or resolution for those of us who have been screaming about it since 2020. But really, it's just exasperation, anger, and grief. The lies cause so much harm. The Australian journalist Adam Creighton tweeted, people saying this a year ago were booted off social media. Brownstone Institute President Jeffrey Tucker tweeted, this is not just recently true. It's been true for three years. We truly do not know how many actually died from COVID, which means that not even the CFR is accurate. Wow. And that's the deal. Just like why in the world? And this is what I did, which is what got me permanently banned from YouTube because I bothered to do some research, find the actual numbers, and then draw the obvious conclusions. So like when we're shutting down the schools all over the country and colleges as well. Okay, well, I was, I was like one day, this is 2020. I was like, huh, how many people are, are like in that age group? You know, like four to 24. Well, it's 72 million. And at the time, how many of them had died allegedly of COVID? It was like 4,200. And it was like 0.00006185 of that population died from COVID. And they go, okay, so those are the odds of dying from COVID if you're 24 and under, a student basically. What, and then I thought, because this is how my brain works, what other causes of death are out there? And what are the odds of that? And you had a better chance of dying from a lightning strike, from a car accident, a bike accident, a pedestrian accident, smoke inhalation. Uh, so why are we not shutting down all the schools when we have thunderstorms? Kids can't go outside. We got to outlaw that. Nobody did that because it was never about health. It was always about power and control and making money. And most Americans are just like, 
what's on the next Netflix series. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show. Just uh, let me just say one one thing quick here. Uh, this, the show isn't like this every day, but I'm never. That's why we have that. Did you ever notice at the beginning of the show you hear the cow mooing? Did you ever notice that? And there's that little phrase there that we still use on this show. I've used it ever since I started radio back in 2007, which is there's no sacred cows, none. And so you'll hear me. Uh, Talk about things that you're generally not going to hear, not even conservative media. Some of this stuff, they won't touch it. They definitely won't touch it and talk about it from a thoroughly biblical worldview. You're not going to get that. That's why I'm like, listen to Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro, Orthodox Jew. Well, I'm not getting any redemptive stuff from him. He's smart. He's got some great analysis on a lot of things, but I'm getting nothing redemptive from him. Matt Walsh, he's smart. What a great communicator. He got started just writing. He's a great communicator, hardcore Catholic. I almost never hear anything redemptive from him. I, I never hear him pointing people to Jesus or the gospel. I, I, I can't recall one time hearing that. And while Glenn Beck talks like an evangelical, he's a Mormon. And so Glenn Beck, who has Mormons, that's the, that's the challenging thing with Mormons, very much the same vocabulary, totally different dictionary. And then Sean Hannity, every once in a while, will, will, will drop, you know, he's got two or three verses of scripture he'll drop in there. And he'll say, well, you know, this is it for me, but he's not going to make really strong declarative statements. And when you get uh, Buck Sexton and Clay Travis, you're not going to get anything redemptive there. Clay Travis, the last time I checked, was actually not even uh, hardcore pro-life. And I'm looking around all over the place and going, uh, there's just not a lot of re- really redemptive uh, people out there. My buddy Steve Dace is. He's, the, he's really the only one in the blaze. Maybe Jason Whitlock that I know is. And on, on over on the Daily Wire, I don't know of anybody there that kind of preaches the gospel. I, now, I don't know them all. Does Michael Knowles? I don't know. They've got a bunch of Catholic people over there. But I'm like, <laughs> I have to talk about this stuff. And, and I'll selectively edit things out because I don't want to cross a line out of respect for the people that uh, choose to carry the show, the stations that carry the show. They're all Christian stations, so there's a line there. But, but there's not a line in terms of sharing the truth. So every once in a while, this show is going to be really uncomfortable. And, and this will sound kind of crass, but I don't care. Truth needs to be heard. you got to hear the truth. It's the truth that sets you free, that you have an accurate representation. You actually see the world as it is. And then you respond accordingly if you're a follower of Christ, because most of the world is not. And we're the bearers of truth. We're the ones that have the truth. And you, you have to maintain a moral voice. One of my ethics professors at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, thank you, Dr. Heimbach, taught that the, the gospel is a moral solution to a moral problem. Moral problem is the violation of the moral law. The moral solution is propitiation. It has to be the appropriate payment has to be made. That's the gospel. That's why Jesus had to come and die and rise from the dead to defeat death. So if you live in a culture that's just more so every day, just jettisoning, it's going to jettison the whole notion of morality. At some point, people start going, what do I need to be saved from exactly? I, I, the only thing that's immoral in this culture are you crazy Christians that are judging everybody, but everybody else is fine. Just let them do what they want to do. So what do I need to be saved from? So you shut down the whole 
conversation of morality and morality starts to disappear. And if the morality disappears from a flesh standpoint, God can still move and brings people to him through his son. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. I can't create that. I can't conjure that up. But our job is to remind people just by speaking the truth. Oh, yeah, by the way, there is a moral truth. And because of that, you need a solution because you got a problem that's going to send you to hell forever. So that, I'm going to ring that bell. And, you know, if you can't take it, go listen to something else. Fine. Whatever. Treasury Department begins extraordinary measures to avoid default as U.S. hits debt limit. We'll, we'll default one of these days. The U.S. on Thursday hit the debt ceiling set by Congress, setting off a set of special measures from the Treasury Department to avoid, avoid default. Extraordinary measures include delaying some payments, including contributions to federal employees' retirement plans, to free up funds for essential payments, such as those for Social Security and debt instruments. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen warned last week that the country was on track to max out on its $31.4 trillion borrowing authority on Thursday. That happened. The debt limit is the total amount of money the U.S. government is allowed legally to borrow to pay for its existing obligations, including Social Security, Medicare benefits, military salaries, interest on the national debt, tax refunds, and other payments. Without intervention, the government could be left unable to pay its bills by June. Quote, it's unlikely that cash and extraordinary measures will be exhausted before early June, Yellen wrote in a letter to House Speaker, Kev, Kev, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. How how'd the White House respond? So here's what happened with the 20 folks, including Dan Bishop. God bless you, my friend, who stood up to Kevin McCarthy and everybody else. They're like, hey, you know what? If we're going to talk next time we talk about the debt ceiling, if we're going to raise it, then we're also going to have to agree at the same time to offset it with cuts. So you want to raise it by, I don't know, a trillion dollars. We're going to have to cut a trillion dollars from the budget. Wow, that's remarkably uh, mature (laughs) and responsible. But what did the White House say? The White House has said it does not plan to negotiate with the GOP on the debt ceiling. And it said Congress shouldn't attach our policy demands to the raising of the debt limit, according to the Wall Street Journal. And then you get just the biggest, this is going to sound terrible, it's just the biggest idiot in Washington, D.C. It's the basic duty of Congress to get that done, White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre said Wednesday. Listen to this. We're talking about the full faith and credit of our country. Full faith and credit is actually a constitutional wording. That has nothing to do with the financial uh, wherewithal of the country. Full faith and credit is I have a license. I got a license here in North Carolina. I drive to Virginia. Virginia has to respect the fact that I got a license. That's full faith and credit. No matter where you go in the country, your license is valid. Full faith and credit. You're guilty here. You're also guilty in the state of Washington. Full faith and credit. Stuff like that's full faith and credit. She doesn't even know what she's talking about. Hey, read the Constitution, lady. I'll give you a free, uh, I'll give you a, I won't charge you uh, tuition and you can take my civics class. How about that? And then how about this? This was crazy. Thank you, Donald Trump, for appointing FBI Director Ray. Did you know he's just over in Davos at the World Economic Forum? And he's talking about essentially that uh, collaboration between the private sector and the government. You know, like Facebook or Twitter or YouTube. Now, why is the FBI boss over talking to Davos, Switzerland, the World Economic Forum, and Klaus Schwab, the uber elite who want to completely redefine reality on this planet? Like, it's like a convention of, of James Bond villains under the ultimate villain, Klaus Schwab himself, and the director, the FBI, thank you, Donald Trump, who appointed him, is over there talking to them? Are you kidding me? <laughs> wow. Okay, I I wish I could finish on an upswing. I can't. 
But you need to know about this because you see what's happening post Roe versus Wade. Minnesota to legalize infanticide and nuke protections for women and babies. So Minnesota just completely given over. Romans won. Minnesota Democrats are poised to ignore the at least 69% of Americans who say they want significant limits on abortion to pass the state's most radical abortion bill, which would legalize taxpayer-funded on-demand abortion for all. So just some highlights here, or lowlights. The protect, listen to this language, this is what they call it. The Protect Reproductive Options Act would repeal dozens of the state's protections for women and babies and expand, expand legal immunity for abortions up until the moment of birth and beyond. Quote, cattle and reptiles will have more legal protections in Minnesota than Minnesota's vulnerable preborn children. Legal penalties for animal cruelty in Minnesota range from misdemeanor up to felony, while there is no criminal pen- penalty for leaving a preborn child to die on a cold metal table, Renee Carlson, general counsel at True North Legal, said in remarks to the Senate ahead of the vote. It ends protections for babies born alive. Minnesota law recognizes babies currently who are born alive followed, following a botched abortion as a human person under the law. The Born Alive Infants Protection Act, which we couldn't even get done here in North Carolina, reconfirmed these babies deserve and receive life-saving medical care. The PROA, however, the new one, terminates the protections outlined for a baby who breathes or has a beating heart, pulsation of the umbilical cord, or definite movement of voluntary muscles, regardless of whether the umbilical cord has been cut and regardless of whether the expulsion of extraction occurs as a result of a natural or induced labor, cesarean section, or induced abortion. Yep. So the baby survives the abortion, and the new law says, yeah, you don't have to do anything. To cut to the chase, let them die. Who cares? They're not wanted. It nullifies parental notification. If a minor requests an abortion currently in Minnesota, the law requires that parents or guardians be notified, or if if she's worried about parents, something going on there, she can request a bypass from a judge who can deem the pregnant girl as mature and capable of giving informed consent, but she has to go to a judge. The new one gets rid of that. You're 14, you're pregnant, just go get an abortion. Your parents don't have to know. But, but the state doesn't want your, any of us parents involved in our kids' education anymore anyway, right? That's pretty obvious. Get rid of every liberal progressive member of school boards in the entire country. If you don't get involved in that, that's dereliction of duty. Cancels protections for viable preborn babies. Reverses bans on abortions for unconscious women. So the law used to say uh, that you had to be conscious in order to have an abortion. Now they're saying you don't. <laughs> that's just, that's so reprobate. Halts reporting if women die from abortions. Oh, yeah, abortionists. So you had a woman die from a botched abortion. You don't have to report that. This, this Satan's just sitting back with, with his feet up. Just like, hey, you guys. We don't have to do much anymore. You guys got it. Wait till Nefarious comes out. My buddy Steve Dace's movie. I'll talk to you more about that when I can. Stops reporting abortion stats, allows the unregulated disposal of baby bodies, ends informed consent for women. Yeah, because you don't want them. You don't want them to know what the reality is of abortion at whatever stage you're at. You certainly don't want them to see an ultrasound because that's when they have to come face to face with the fact that that's their son or daughter in their womb at that moment. You don't want that either, because if they figure that out, if they see it, then there's a good chance they'll change their mind. And if they change their mind, you can't kill that baby and make money. For shame, for shame. What a bummer that would be. Pray for this nation. Pray for our leaders. Pray for revival. Please, Lord, help us. This is Steve Noble on The Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you again real soon. And like my dad always used to say, ever forward.